What a great time to worship together. Hearing your voices is so awesome to be together in worship and filling the space. I'm so glad for all joining online as well to be connected with you as we begin a new series. Well, a recent discovery in this month has uh, brought renewed attention to an old story, a familiar one. Maybe you've heard it in the history books, but back in 1914, on August 1st, there was an expedition that took place that left London and was making its way all the way down to the South Pole. There were 27 men, plus the, uh, the head of the expedition, so 28 men total made their way to explore the Antarctic and find a way to go across the Antarctic on foot. So it was not only just these uh, 28 men total, but they also took along 69 dogs and a cat named Miss Chippy. Just for the record, let the record show. So it took them three months to get from London down to uh, South Georgia Island, which was the last stop where they would take a month to refill their supplies, and then they made their way to, uh, to, to begin to explore the Antarctic. And so they were making their way down, and they got stuck within um, about a month or so, they started hitting these ice flows. Now back in 1914, they built a powerful ship that was to break through the ice, but I believe it was still made of wood, so you can imagine how challenging that was. After a couple of months, they ended up getting stuck completely in the ice flows. Their ship was completely stuck, and this is the ship of Sir Ernest Shackleton. He was the the explorer that led this expedition, and here they were. Yeah, sorry I skipped over that before. That's Sir Ernest Shackleton. Looks like a pretty rough, rugged man, doesn't he? Pretty tough um, after this time. But go back to that ship as it was stuck there in the ice. It was at 30-degree angle, and it was impacted by the ice. Now think about these men, this is 1914, 1915 now by the time that this is stuck, and they had to abandon the ship, and they spent their days out on, out on, the, um, out on the ice. And it spent months and months until a few months later, back in October of the next year, the ship was actually crushed by the ice. And their hopes of the ice melting and being freed from, from the ship were now being crushed. And then a month later, the ship actually sank and went to the bottom of the ocean. And there they were, Back in 1915, stuck in Antarctica, no way of communicating, nothing. They spent a year and seven months, imagine that, a year and seven months trying to survive. They took uh, one of the life ropes, uh, lifeboats, an open uh, lifeboat, and uh, Shackleton and two other crew made the 750, 800-mile journey back, try to get back to South Georgia Island to find rescue. Eventually, they made it back. They came back, and they rescued the men. And uh, by the time they returned back to London, England, two years had passed. Two years. And you know down in the Antarctic, too, some of those nights are long, 24 hours of darkness in the course of that year. Imagine trying to spend that time. Well, it was earlier this month that some explorers, some uh, geologists went, and they were exploring the south uh, of the Atlantic and heading to the Antarctic, and they discovered this shipwreck, perhaps the most amazing shipwreck since the Titanic was discovered. We've got these pictures here, amazingly preserved, 10,000 feet below the, uh, below the surface in these cold waters, and just an amazing find. And so we think about this story, and you think about the men, and you think about this courage that they displayed. Now, there was this ad that was allegedly taken out, although it's not been proven and shown. They think this was an ad that was taken out um, that Ernest Shackleton was recruiting for his crew. Listen to this. Men wanted for hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. (laughs) Sign me up for that, (laughs) right? I mean, they, they, for the last, they've been trying to find if this was actually ever published, but myth or reality, this is what the men signed up for. 
And I think about their bravery. I think about their courage. I think about what it took to push off of that shore in London saying, there's no turning back now. I mean, we're in this. And what they experienced and what they lived through, nothing I think embodies more that they were all in, right? I mean, they were all in. And this is the new series that we're beginning, as Roger mentioned earlier, a new series as we're heading into Easter. What would it look like for us to be all in? to have that kind of courage, to have that kind of faith, to live out in a way that is undeniable who we are and who we belong to. We're looking at Mark chapter 12, verse 30, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? We should all know this as followers of Christ. Those who are looking to follow Christ, wanting to learn, is such a high bar that's set. But Jesus said, you want to know the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all, right? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, with everything you have, love God. Now, this can seem pretty intimidating, right? This can be a pretty high bar to think about. As we sang that song earlier, I surrender all. Does that mean all? Does Jesus really mean everything? Does this, is, is this what Jesus is really asking for? And I think we can feel intimidated by this and say, man, I fall short. And you know what? I fall short. I fall short all the time. And I fall short and I struggle, and that's why we're trying to have this series where we're coming together and we're asking this question, what's holding me back? What's holding me back from fully following Jesus? We're going to come back to this question over and over again over the next four weeks. Because we want to take a time now in these weeks leading up to Easter to say, Lord, search my heart. What is it in me that that is holding me back from just the kind of life that you have for me? Because when we look at this call to be all in in all these different areas, it's tough. I mean, I look at my heart and my desires, and, and, and I think, God, am I following with all my heart? What desires does my, my, my heart latch onto? What are the things that I'd rather be doing on my own instead of surrendering fully to God? And I have to check that, and I have to think through that. And, and you know, is my heart desire really to love you and to worship you? Do you know that there are Sunday mornings where I don't want to go to church? <laughs> what? As the pastor? I mean, I don't always feel like it. There are Sunday mornings where I don't feel like worshiping. There are Sunday mornings where I don't, there are mornings where I don't feel like getting into God's word. Our desires, my heart isn't there. There are times where I don't want to love people. I'm done peopling, you know, (laughs) right? And we go, God, how can I love you with everything that I have? We think about our soul, loving God with all of our soul. Well, there's things that kind of muck up my soul. There's things that get in the way where I'm not at rest, where where I'm not at peace, and I go, God, what's standing in the way between me and you? We think about loving God with all my my mind. There are thoughts that that I shouldn't be having. There are things that I believe, there there are lies that I allow to creep in. There's stuff there that's going on where I'm going, God, it's not all focused on you. How can I look at that? And we think about strength. There's so many times, right, I spend my day and I spend my time on other things than, than, than giving my best to God. And my, by the time it comes to loving God, I'm out of strength. I'm out of energy. I'm tired. I've been doing my own pursuits. And we go, God, how, does, how can we love you with all that we are, heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you have any of those struggles, or is this an easy task for you? I don't know if you can relate, but when I think about what's holding me back, what's holding you back? I mean, maybe you're, you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're saying, I just have struggle even coming to Jesus, let alone loving him with all, even loving him a little bit. I'm not even all, I, I can't even think about being all in. I have doubts. There's things that I read in the Bible. There's teachings that I hear. And uh, maybe this seems like are there some contradictions or there's a theology that I can't understand. And I don't know that I even can be all in. 
Maybe it's um, you've seen the church or you've seen some Christians and you go, I don't know, based on that, maybe I don't want to be a part of that. And you're not able to be all in. Maybe, quite frankly, you just don't want to be. And that's where some of us are. We just don't want to be. Maybe you, you come faithfully as a spouse or your parents bring you or somebody forced you to watch online or something, I don't know, and you're saying, I don't really want to. Well, maybe there's something that God can begin to work in you. But those of us and those of you who have given your life to Christ, we're not always all in, are we? You know, half-hearted followers of Jesus. That's a challenge, isn't it? This half-hearted following of Jesus. Sort of like, we, we know enough to be in. We know enough what God has done for us. And there was times in our life where we were passionate. We were serving him with everything we have. And now it's just kind of either become routine or we've kind of just gone on autopilot. And there's not this fervent, you know, fervency in our life that says, man, I am all in for Jesus. All of my heart, everything's there. And we just start kind of going through the motions. It's like we're doing the right things and we're doing some of those things, but, but the heart is lacking. And maybe you're out there going, well, you know, I don't want to be one of those fanatic Christians. <laughs> like, I don't want to be one of those people like, really go to church every single Sunday? That's a little much, right? Watch every single week. I don't want to be one of those that actually like, do people actually give like a tenth of their income? Do people really do that? Like, no, 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 that's a little extreme for me to follow Jesus. You mean like, like I gotta like serve? I'm supposed to like serve? Like use my, like volunteer and give my time and, 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 and just do that? Like not get paid and do things at the church? Like some of the, like, nah, that's a little crazy. It's a little extreme. Love people that I don't like? Love people that I don't agree with? No, no, that, that, that's getting a little crazy. I just want enough Jesus just for me let alone telling others about Jesus. I mean, that's, that's a personal thing, right? We, we, we want enough of it, but what would it look like to be all in? Maybe you're struggling through like a major sin, or maybe you're struggling through some pesky sins. Not that we want to categorize sin, wherever you put that, but you kind of go, there's something holding me back. There's something keeping me from Jesus. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a struggle, something you're going through. And, and this is the time, this is the season where we want to ask this question leading into Easter. What's holding me back? And why am I choosing this thing that's holding me back versus surrendering completely and fully to Jesus? Because when you think about this idea of all in, maybe you, uh, we picture you know, Sir Ernest Shackleton and these, this brave crew. But maybe you picture playing poker and it's this round, it's the end, and somebody pushes all the chips on the table, right? I mean, not that I endorse gambling, but, you know, if you're playing with, uh, with pretzels and whatever. Anyway, but this idea of all the chips in the table, right? It's like, go big or go home, all in. I either win this or I'm done. There's no turning back. There's no, there's, there's no backing out. It's like this idea of burning the bridges, right? We're going forward. Anyone else love Shark Tank, another show? I, I like that show, right? Listening to those pitches and, and the ideas that people come up with. And invariably, you hear the story of somebody saying, you know, I started this as a side hustle. I started this as some idea that I would do on the side, but you know what? I started investing all of my savings. I started mortgaging my house. I leveraged everything. You know what? I actually quit my job so that I could focus on this. And if it wasn't going to go, I was going to be, I'm sunk. And it's this idea of I am going to give everything. I'm pursuing this with all that I have. And so what does it look like to be an all-in follower of Jesus, to be an all-in child of God. When Jesus says, love God with everything. I mean, imagine that. Think through that. What does it look like, this idea of being bolder? Would you like to be bolder in your faith? As you confront untruths around you, as you li live life, to just be confident in who you are as a follower of Jesus, not afraid of what the world's going to say, what kids at school are going to say, what people at work are going to say, what your neighbors think. You're just who you are. You're a follower of Jesus, and that's great. You love God. I love church. I love worship. It's a good thing. 
Where is that boldness? Maybe you, need, maybe you need to be all in when it comes to worship, and you kind of go, how do I just, how can I be like, act like these guys up here? Not acting, but how can I be like them, right? How can I be free like Noah having fun up here, and Nicole, and Jake, and, and Esther who are singing up here, and Roger, where you're out of breath before the next song, right? What would it look like to just be free in that way and to be all in? So many different ways that we think about that, whether it's in worship or in our life or, or living out ex- outrageous generosity, to just be somebody who can go, you know what, God, you've called me to give, I'm going to give that. To be all in, to have this deep-seated peace, even though life might be tough, there's struggles. Maybe you're facing sickness, death, challenge, adversity. To be able to say, you know what, it is well in my soul. The world is turning, right, storms around me, we sang earlier today, but you know what, I'm at peace I'm all in. Jesus is there. I trust him with everything that I have, this unquenchable hope, this unquenchable trust, and a heart that's big enough to serve the unlovable and those who I disagree with. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? And we're going to dive into that over these next few, like I said, over these next few weeks, and today we're going to begin with some heart surgery, okay? We're going to begin with the first one, loving the Lord your God with all your heart. Let's pray, and then we'll jump, jump into this. Heavenly Father, thank you for space to come and to really look at our hearts and our souls and our lives, to lay them before you. And Father, right now in these moments today and in the weeks to come, we just ask you to shine your loving light into the depths, into those dark corners that we hold back. And Father, I pray that we would each experience some new level of freedom in loving you with all that we are. Help us be honest with ourselves and honest before you. And God, just to come into your loving presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've all received uh, a journal. You should have as you came in. There's a place to take some notes in there as well on Sundays for message notes. I'll share more about this in a little bit. But if you want to take some notes, you're free to do that there. So we're looking at this commandment, the greatest commandment, Mark 12, 30, that I mentioned earlier. Why is this the greatest commandment? Why would Jesus say this? If if you're asking Jesus the, the greatest commandment, what is it? Now, the thing, the next thing that he would say, you would have to think, this has got to be the most important thing, right? If you're asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? The next words out of his mouth, if he says, this is the greatest commandment, this should be, for every follower of Jesus, the most important thing that we do in our life, right? 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 All right. Right. So, the single most important goal and purpose of our lives is to love God. Now, that might not seem like, you kind of go, what do you, what do, you do with that? But Jesus is saying, this is the most important thing. Now he goes on to say there's a second one, commandment, equally important. It's love your neighbor as yourself. Now those two are connected, but he begins with loving God. It begins with loving God. Do you wake up every morning, and if you want to know what your goal and your purpose is, do we wake up and say, all right, my goal and purpose, the number one thing I need to be about today is loving God. That's it. That's where it begins. Loving God. If you need a purpose and a goal for your life, how do I love God? Start there. Begin there. That's what Jesus says. How am I going to love God today? How am I going to do that? Because when we get this priority right, I think God knows this, the way he created us, that when we have the security, when we have the, the comfort, when we have that love relationship with God where we know that he's our Savior, he's our God, he loves us, we're his children, we have that security of knowing now I can face the day. It gives me that groundedness. It gives me that priority. We spent the last month talking about marriage and in the context of marriage, how the love and bond in that relationship is a foundation for a family and for the way that you live your life out. 
In faith, we begin with this relationship with God. We start there, and out of that, then we can love others fully. But just thinking about that, that should be our number one priority of each and every day. So let's look at this first command, though. Then he comes out of that and says, all right, so now let's begin. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, when we think about heart, we instantly typically think about our emotions. And heart in the Old Testament and in the Bible really was much more than just the emotions. There wasn't a sense of like, the, they didn't have this concept necessarily of the brain and, and of, you know, in those ways. And so it was more about um, your will. It was more about your desires, your longings. Emotion was part of that. What's your passion? But I think the word that I would lock onto is what was this desire? What is it that's, that you're pursuing with your heart? What's your heart leading you towards? Just like in our, in our life, we know that if our heart stops beating, it's the center of who we are. It's not just our emotions, but it's also our lifeblood that flows through us. And so this idea of everything we are surrendered to God and beginning with the heart. So I want to look at three pieces today in, in how we can surrender our heart to God. And the first is this, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. A very simple proverb, but I mean, you take this to heart. No pun intended, pun intended, I don't know. Is it intended or not intended? I'm not sure. It came out, so. Um, Guard your heart. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. It's so powerful that where your heart attaches, where the will, where the desire goes, that's where your life is going to follow. And so we know as we think about, about life that, that it can lead us into good places, our heart. It can lead us into some really difficult places, into challenging places, and places where we wish we wouldn't have gone. So where does your heart attach itself? That determines our future. Think about where your heart attaches itself if you fall in love, right? Your heart attaches itself, and all of a sudden, right, your life begins to go in a certain direction. And that can be a good thing, that can be a bad thing. When we talk to students and our kids, it's like, you know, make good decisions on who your friends are, right? Because where your heart attaches itself is where your life begins to follow. Your life begins to follow that trajectory. Who do you follow on social media? Who do you listen to? What news are you consuming? What are the books that you're reading? What are the movies you're watching? Those things begin to be a part where we can attach our hearts and say, hmm, that can begin to take a direction in my life. And we know the power of this when you hear phrases like, man, I've had my heart set on something, right? What do we mean by that? When you have your heart set on something, it's really hard to undo that, isn't it? Right? If, if, uh, if you're married and your spouse says, you know, uh, uh, I really had my heart set on going to the beach for vacation. I know you want to go to the mountains, but I want to go to the beach. Oh, it's going to be hard to overcome the heart set, right? I had my heart set on this car. I had my heart set on going to this college. I had my heart set on that position or on that new job. And when we set our heart on something, we begin to follow, right? So guard your heart, protect it, because it leads you there. It's so powerful. And so what what Scripture is telling here is stand guard. Stand guard. Protect this heart. It It just reminds me of like just two sentries, you know, standing there with shield, right? Battle armor, weaponry, saying we've got to protect what comes into this heart and what it stands for, and what it's there, because it has such power that it'll lead you in a good direction, or it'll lead you in a bad direction. What are you allowing in? What are you allowing your heart to attach to? Be careful about that. Think about that. When you start noticing your heart gravitating towards something, asking yourself, is this good for me? Is this honoring to God? Is this going to lead me closer to God, or is it going to take me farther away from him? Guard your heart. It can lead you in the right way. It can lead you in a bad direction. The second thing is this. 
check your heart. So guard it and protect it. But once you've guarded and protected it, now you have to do some, some soul searching. What's going on? What is the motive? What's inside my heart? What's really there? And so many of us are busy living our lives. We don't have time to really, you know, do some, do some soul searching. But we want to create some space for you to do that over these next several weeks because here's what the Bible says about our heart, and it's not necessarily encouraging. Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Now, that isn't meant to be intimidating or scary, but I think there's an acknowledgement there that we're all pretty selfish, that our hearts are pretty selfish, that there's things that we, we look out for ourselves. We look out what's best for us. We want to pursue and, 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 and just pursue pleasure and joy, and, and not that some of these things are wrong or are bad, but when left to ourselves, our heart can lead us into wrong places, into places that can really hurt us. And, and, and Jeremiah is reminding us, search your heart. God knows our secret motives. He knows what's going on. And how many times has following our heart led us into trouble, led us into a situation where we're struggling with? I mean, there's things that, that, that capture our heart. And we have to go back and look, have we been captured by money and things? Has that ever captured your heart? Guilty, right? Money and things. All of a sudden, the focus goes off of us and then it goes off of God. And it's like, this is what I want. And we're following our heart there. Power and control. Power and control. And that might not, not necessarily mean like you're you know, running entire large companies or in politics, but even power in your own life in certain ways to have control, saying, I've got to get on top of this in ways that, that we want to just latch on to and our heart follows. How about pleasure and lust? Ever let those things get a hold of your heart and lead you down the wrong path? Yeah, we follow our heart to these places and in the end we're going, why am I where I'm at? What's my secret motive? What's driving me? Is it guilt? I mean, is it pride? Is it greed? What's driving me? So we're checking those motives and asking, all right, God, what's, what's there? Because it's a battle for your heart. Maybe a way to remember that, you just gotta go check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> check yourself check what's going on because what happens is we, go, we get blinded we know this when our heart gets captured our heart is set on something we follow our heart we get blinded and sometimes we need other people around us to help us check that parents, neighbors, friends, small group you know, people in your small group pastors, others those who come around and say help me see what I am not seeing I'm trying to guard my heart but my heart is leading me in a direction and here's the thing, that when we, when, when we have those motives, we're trying to fulfill a longing in our heart. And it continues to leave us empty. I mean, years ago, I remember hearing this, and I'm sure you have too, this idea of this God-sized hole in our heart, right? This God-shaped hole. Remember the, that, that, the old kids' uh, game that, for, for toddlers, for infants, it's like this, this ball, this plastic ball, it was red, and it had these yellow like, um, shapes, right? You got the star and the triangle and the, and the square, right? And and it only fits in one, right? You could try it all you want. And, and this idea that God created us in such a way that there's this hole, there's this shape in our heart that only God can fill. And what we are doing all the time is we're shoving other stuff in there. Ah, maybe possessions. Maybe my next trip. Maybe the next thing that I got, this new position. Maybe this person. Maybe this love. Maybe this addiction. Maybe this drug. Maybe this alcohol. Maybe this pornography. Maybe this will fill the satisfaction and, and finally I'll feel at peace. And you know what we've all been doing, right? Right? It's just not going. 
is just not fitting because we have to check our heart. What's it pursuing? And if it's not being filled, is we're not following what God has for us. But here's the, the beautiful part about it. It's not just trying to find that very thing that fits in with God. God went even bigger than that. He's like, you know what? Forget the God-shaped hole. I want to do you one better. And this is the third part. I want to renew your heart. I just want to give you a new heart. I want to renew your heart. Because here's what we learn through Scripture, what we know from our own experience. Over time, our heart grows cold. Our heart can grow stubborn. Our heart can grow cynical. Come on, anyone relate, right? Why is it that as we get older, we just get more and more cynical? Right? We get more jaded. We lose that passion. We look at younger people, and what do we call it? We call it naive. So naive. But isn't there a beauty in that naivete? <laughs> right? Would you rather be old, curmudgeon, crusty, right? Nothing good. It's done. I've been there, done that. It ain't going to work, right? But it happens in our faith. We get to those places where our heart, we just lose heart. And in just even a recent post this last week from a, an author who writes to, to Christian leaders everywhere, Carrie Newhoff, was, I get this email, and, and he was writing to Christian leaders and saying, guard against these seven things that can take place in your leadership as pastors. An attitude of, I don't care. Why would he write this to pastors? Apparently there comes points in times where they don't care about the things, and you start looking at your heart going, that's the way to examine my heart and renew my heart. I need something new if I don't care. Lacking passion and desire. He said being mechanical when things should be meaningful. You're just kind of, again, going through the motions. You're, you, make, you have fake emotions in life. You're just, you know what you're supposed to do. You don't believe the best in people. You grow cynical. So this is what happens when our heart gets to a place where it's just not doing what it's supposed to. We're not living with that passion and desire that God created in us. It's amazing in, in medicine when I think about the idea that there are heart plants, transplants that are done. I mean, think about a human heart being taken out and another one being placed in. A candidate for heart transplant is a one who at some point in time, the heart is not doing what it's supposed to. Right? There's nothing else, there's no other treatment that works for it to really pump blood through the whole body, to bring that nourishment, to bring that life to, to every part, and, it's, and, and the body and everything's slowly dying, and if nothing's done, there's death. And the solution to that is, you need a heart transplant. And amazing today that, that the patients who receive a heart transplant, I, one article I was reading said they can routinely live up to 20 years after a new heart. I mean, to have quality of life, all of a sudden the life to come back into the body. And that's what Jesus was, is saying, what scripture tells us is, look, God wants to put a new heart in you. He wants to give you a new life. Look at Ezekiel 36, 26. This is such a hopeful scripture. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. And man, that we would be people with tender and responsive hearts to be aware of what God is doing around us, to have a sensitivity towards other people, to have a heart towards God. And yet we, if we step back and we, we, we check our heart, right, and we ask God, no, no, I think I need a whole renewal. I need a heart transplant. I need God, I, God, I need you to do something completely different and new in my life. I, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive into moments of Peter's story. Peter, who was the, uh, one of Jesus' main disciples, right? One of the inner three. The one who ultimately became the leader of the early church as, after the resurrection. And we look at this story of Peter, and I think about this idea of being all in. And we see the struggle of a, of a man who, who just would fail, and then he would go all in for Jesus. I mean, the dude, if I think about him, he was all heart. He was all heart. 
Peter was the kind of guy that would like jump first and then think later, right? He would, he would act and then go, oh, maybe that wasn't so good. He was very, very just, um, you know, just, just go for it. He was all in all the time, but it also got into some trouble, but it was a beautiful characteristic for who he was. And we want to see how God began to reshape those things where, where, where he reshaped his heart, his soul, his mind, and the way Peter leveraged his strength. And we're going to look at that a little bit over the next few weeks. But as you look at his heart, as you think about Peter and this idea of just being all heart, being all in, I think about the story when, when Jesus first called him and when Peter was made aware of, of, of just some challenges and struggles in his own life. Jesus was teaching by the sea, and he, you know, the crowd was coming, and so to gain a little bit of space, Jesus would get inside a boat, and he called Peter over, who had a boat, and he's like, hey, Peter, can I get in your boat? So he got into Peter's boat, pushed off a little bit from the shore, and so he was teaching the people. So Peter was able to hear the teaching that was going on, and, and you know, aware of, there's something about this man. There's something incredible, something amazing. And when he was done teaching, Jesus said to Peter, put out into the deeper water and then throw down your nets. And let's go get some fish. Peter, the experienced commercial fisherman, this is what he did for a living, said, okay, Lord, but you know what? Um, we fished all night last night. We didn't catch a single thing. I mean, if anyone knows how to catch fish, it's these guys. They didn't catch anything. But he said, since you asked, since you said it, I'll do it. So they went out. They went out there, and he, and he throws his net out. And it says that they caught so many fish that the net was about to rip. They had to bring their, their buddies in another boat over so they could both fill both boats to overflowing with fish. And Peter's reaction in this moment is very interesting. We read about it in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. He says this, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Go, that, that's interesting. I mean, there was just a bunch of fish, and now he's like confessing his sin. What, what's going on here? What happened? He was so overcome by the presence of who Jesus was, the power in this man, the teaching of who he was, the compassion that he had, that, that when he was aware of this presence of him, he looked at his own heart, and he saw inside, and he goes, I'm sinful. Sin and the beauty and the brightness of God don't seem to go together, and what he wants to do is depart from me. Get away from me, Jesus. I'm not worthy of you. And how many times do we do that when we look at our heart and we see our own sin and we go, I, I'm going to stop going to church because I haven't been living right. All right? I'm not going to, I don't want to come into God's presence. What would he want with me? You know, I've been a believer so long, if people knew what was really going on, I couldn't possibly, you know, confront that. And so what we do is we distance ourselves because of our sin. And, and that was Peter's reaction. But I love the way Jesus then responded to him. A couple verses later, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, um, well, that wasn't a very comforting thing. Here's this man with sin. Why does Jesus go to, you'll be fishing for people? What Jesus was saying in that moment was saying, look, Peter, you're a fisherman now. I just showed you about catching all these fish, but I'm going to make you into something else. I'm going to transform you into something new. You're going to be different. So you, th you see yourself as a sinful man, unworthy of my presence. As a matter of fact, I want to invest in you. I want to spend time with you. I'm calling you to be one of my disciples, to walk with me, to spend time with me over the next three years. I'm going to pour into you, and you're going to transform along the way. I'm going to take that heart. I'm going to take that passion, that zeal that you have, and I'm going to reshape it. I'm going to use it. I'm not going to get rid of it. That's how I've made you. But I'm going to leverage it in a different way. And you're going to be someone who fishes for people and makes a difference in the kingdom of God in that way. This transformation. 
We're going to see in Peter that transformation over these next couple of weeks. And I pray that you would experience that transformation. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from Jesus and going closer to him? And that's the question. What's holding me back from fully loving Jesus with all my heart? Let me just go real quickly through some practical pieces here for these three things that I talked about. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. What do you do? How do you do that? How do you stay close to Jesus and prioritize what's most important? Well, prioritize loving God with your heart every day through prayer and worship. I mean, that's one way you're going to guard your heart. If, you're going to, if the commandment is love the Lord your God, the number one thing, we need to start each and every day loving God through prayer, through worship. We don't just wait till Sundays to sing a couple songs and to hear a message, but every day, because there's a lot of things that, that, that can attack our heart throughout the week. And so we put up those sentries. We begin in the morning with God, I'm putting you first. I've set my mind on you, my thoughts on you. I focus on you. And in that day, I begin to get my bearings right. I know that I'm loved by God. I, I, I feel his presence. I connect with him. That's how we begin to lay that foundation in guarding our heart, spending the morning time with him. Then you better check your heart. <laughs> how do we check our heart, right? Well, how, do we, how do we do that? You step back and you go, God, I feel like I'm drifting, I'm fading. This is so much where our, what we're talking about this month is just doing some introspection doing some reflection, going, God, what's really going on? What's happening? How do you confront your sin? And I think about, like, like Peter, don't let sin keep you from following Jesus. Let it draw you closer to him. If we can understand this, we're going to experience that transformation. That's where we experience that love of God, and that draws us to loving him more. Instead of keeping us from him, it actually draws us to him. In my study Bible, it said it this way, it is better to be a follower who sometimes fails than one who fails to follow. Better to be a follower who sometimes fails than one who fails to follow altogether. We're going to fail. We're never going to be all in all the time. But that's the call. That's the desire. That's, that's what God's calling us for because he's continuing to look for our heart. And that's why we created these journals. I hope you all got one as you came in. And if you didn't, we have some more available for you. If you're online, we also have them available in digital format. And uh, we have a way that you can also get a daily email with the verse. But this is intended to be a journal for you to write in, to reflect on, and every day just take a few moments to check your heart, to check your soul, your mind, your strength, and going, God, what's holding me back? And I believe over these next 28 days as we count down to Easter that we would take some time every day and say, this is a season for us to really focus in on God, to check our heart and to say, God, what can you do in my life? And ultimately what we're praying for is the renewal of the heart, right? How do, does God renew our heart and change that? So if you're not a follower of Jesus, here's the beautiful thing. God's just saying, I will take out your old heart and I'll give you a new one, like instantly. I'm going to start that process instantly. You confess your sins, you just, you acknowledge your faith in me. There you go. A new heart, a new life. You begin and that moment, all of a sudden it's pumping life and blood throughout your whole spirit, your whole body in a way that you haven't experienced before. You come to life. That's why it's called being born again. And God says, I want to give you that heart. And so that's your first step. Just ask Jesus to make you new. <laughs> if you don't know Jesus, just ask, make me new. God, I don't know where you, you know, maybe I, I don't know what it fully means to follow you. Maybe I'm like Peter, I'm just beginning. But I just want to start this journey. I want to see where it goes, God. I want you to show yourself to me and, and, and watch what Jesus will do as you ask him to transform you in that way. Maybe that's your first step. If you've been a follower of Jesus, maybe you haven't been baptized before. Maybe you've never gone public with your faith. Now's the time. Get baptized. 
Get baptized, take that step. I, I loved hearing from one person who's being baptized on Easter, said, you know, I've been a believer for a long time, but I've never taken that step to go public yet. And there's something powerful about that acknowledgement of saying all in. And, and what embodies all in more than baptism, doesn't it? The way we do it here, you know, the full dunk, the full immersion, or I mean, head to toe. I mean, there's something powerful that happens in that moment where you declare to everyone, I'm all in. Doesn't mean I'm all perfect. Doesn't mean I never mess up. But it means my heart, my desire is set towards God and it's what he's done for me. Now, you're a believer, you've been baptized. Maybe you just need to live like the, resurre- like the resurrection happened. You know, we, we don't live like the resurrection happened. We kind of, th- we, we get stuck in this idea of religion and doing and, and, and what it's all involved and we forget that there's a living power behind this, that there's life over death and that God can breathe new life into each and every one of us. And if we lived in that way with that heart, with that passion, with that surrender and say, God, I don't want to hold anything back from you. Ask God to give you that spirit. And how, I know when I, you know, think about the series and what I keep coming back to is it just feels like God's asking for so much. I mean, everything, all of me, heart, soul, mind, and strength, is it even possible? Like I've told you, in some ways it's not possible. We're human. We're going to fail, but we don't stop striving. But it's not just about working harder, doing more. I want you to understand this key phrase here. We can be all in for Jesus because Jesus was all in for us first. I mean, this is where it begins. This is why we're able to. This is why it comes back to us. It's not about us saying, I'm just going to will more. I'm going to do more. It's responding to the love that God gave to us. It says in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. This isn't about earning God's love, working your way so that God would love you back. It's exactly the opposite. Jesus is saying, look, I love you. I gave everything. I surrendered everything. I gave you my all, and I just love you so much and long for you to be in a relationship with me that, that that's what it's all about. That's where it begins, and we give God our heart. We surrender to him. What's holding you back in this area of your heart? How can you guard your heart? How can you check your heart? And ultimately, how can God renew your heart and make it tender and responsive and alive again? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many things that clog up our heart. So many things that weigh us down. God, we all have secret corners in our heart that we just wish nobody would ever know or see or even, God, that we try to hide from you. Lord, help us not to run from you, to hide from you, to say away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful person. But God, may may we just come to you. And Father, this promise that you have given, God, that you forgive, that you restore, that you renew. God, help us through our cynicism, through our doubt. God, make us alive in you. God, make our desires to be for you. And when we get this right, God, when we put you first, it's amazing how alive we can become. God, we want to be all in for you. Father, if there are any here today that don't know you, that are watching that don't know you and haven't begun this relationship with you, God, would you do a heart transplant today? God, would would this be a day of surrender that says, here's my heart, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins, for giving me new life. I receive you, Lord. As my Lord and Savior, you are the Son of God. Thank you for giving me your life. God, I give you mine. 
And Father, we just watch a new journey and a new life emerge. And Father, those of us who've been believers for some time, Lord, if our hearts have grown cold, God, give us a tender heart over these next few weeks as we lead into Easter each and every day. God, help us to grow closer to you. We love you and thank you that you're in the business of changing hearts and lives and that we can be alive in you. Father, we put you first and we set our heart on you. In Jesus' name, amen.